Jesus placed a high value on social compassion. During his ministry on earth, he was ceaselessly meeting people's needs. Today, Pastor Daniel will tell us how to use that as a starting point for ourselves. We can meet people's tangible needs just as Jesus did for the multitudes when the people were hungry. We shouldn't miss out on meeting simple needs because we're looking to do something revolutionary. A little lunch goes a long way. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, I am the bread of life. Jesus Who is Jesus? Everybody has an answer to that question, don't they? Everybody wants to take this man, Jesus of Nazareth, and make him a champion for their cause. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what the cause is. If you can get that prophet from Nazareth on your side of an issue, somebody will. Jesus is perpetually plastered all across magazines and news feeds. It's amazing how often Jesus pops up. There was a time when there was a, the Jesus is my homeboy thing. Do you remember that? Homeboy buddy Jesus. Some people had little Jesus is my homeboy statues on their car. There was a time when Madonna in her tour would pretend like she was being crucified on a cross. Kanye West on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine a few years back with a crown of thorns on his head, the passion of Kanye West. It doesn't matter how, everybody wants Jesus on their side. But what's interesting, even though we live in a culture that struggles with Jesus. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. But very few people actually go to the words of Jesus and say, well, who is Jesus really? How many times have I felt in my heart, will the real Jesus of Nazareth please stand up? Because there's so many versions there's the Republican Jesus. And there's the Democratic Jesus. And there's the gay rights activist Jesus. And there's the traditional marriage Jesus. And there's the pro-war Jesus. And there's the pacifist Jesus. And there's the Jesus who is, can't eat gluten. <laughs> and the vegetarian Jesus. And the list goes on and on. And we felt that it was so important for us to meet Jesus again for the very first time. 
but not to go run to the latest pop fad for what and who Jesus is. We're going to go back to the source. We're going to go back to the primary documents. Now, this series, this I am series. So if you're on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you're using that hashtag CCC I am. It's your new series hashtag. As a church here at Crossroads, we place Jesus center stage. It's always been that way for 40 years. It's always been about Jesus. We like to say here at Crossroads that our mission is to simply respond to Jesus. We're simply responding to Jesus. For us, that's an overarching way to live life. That we're simply responding to Jesus. That at every point of every day, we're saying, I just want to respond to who Jesus is and what he's asking me to do. As a church, our vision We like to talk about that here a lot at Crossroads, that because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith, fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. You notice we do all this because Jesus is real. Because he's real, we're a family of faith, that God is putting us together, not as a dysfunctional family, like the ones that we've all come from, but a family that works that we learn how to be family because Jesus is real. And we're a family who's fully engaged, which means that each one of us is doing unique things. But all of us are engaged in a special way, just like our bodies, right? Every part of our body is engaged in the whole personality of a person in a unique way. Different roles, but everyone fully engaged. And what are we doing? We're transforming our community and our world. As God is working in us, We want to work in other people's lives. As God is changing us, we want to be change agents in the world. So as we start this I Am series, we're going to be looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus in John's gospel. And for this first one, for each thing that we're going to see, we're going to see a response to it. So if you notice on those study guides on your bulletins, there's going to be a point and then there's going to be a response. There's going to be a point and there's going to be a response. Why? Because we're simply responding to Jesus. So at each point, we want to say, this is my response to what we're seeing. So I want you to open up in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John's gospel. It's the fourth book in your New Testament. They call those gospels, good news. They're the tellings of the story of Jesus. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, if you've Never read the four Gospels. I want to share some, just a little pieces of information for you. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they call them the synoptic Gospels. They are narrative accounts. They're almost chronological in nature. They share a lot of material. They tell the story of Jesus. Now, the fourth Gospel, John's Gospel, which we'll be studying, is of a different sort. A lot of scholars would tell you that John's Gospel was most likely or very likely to have been the last book written in your New Testament. So John, the apostle, he writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He also is the one who had the revelation revealed to him. Most people think because Revelation's the last book in your New Testament, that was the last written. A lot of scholars would say that actually the Gospel of John was written after that. So this could very well be the last book penned 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, before the closing of the canon of the New Testament. And John's gospel is different. It's not like the other gospels because John's goals in writing it are different. He's not just telling about the Jesus did this and Jesus did this and Jesus said this. He's got very specific things he's, he's pointing to. And many scholars would tell you that John's gospel is actually framed around these seven I am statements, which come after seven great miracles, which lead to seven great teaching sections. So instead of just saying, hey, Jesus did this, and he did this, and he went here, and he raised this person, it's got a whole different way of getting at it. And so each week, we're going to take one of these I am statements. Now, I'll be honest with you, as a teacher, I would like to do many studies on each one of the I am statements, because there's so much in here. And so there's all these things that I'm going to want to say that I'm going to try and restrain myself from saying And if you've been at Crossroads for any length of time, you know that that might be a fool's errand on my part. But we'll do the best we can. So John chapter 6, we see our very first I am statement. We're going to pick up the story in John chapter 6, verse 22. John 6, verse 22. It says this, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord gave thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, When did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he sent. Now, verse 22 kind of picks up a little clumsy, doesn't it? Where all of a sudden, it's the next day, the people were standing on the other side of the sea, they saw that Jesus wasn't there, but the disciples had left, but Jesus didn't go with them, but there was other boats there. See, we pick up the story in the middle. What you find, if we were to have begun in the beginning of John chapter 6, is that Jesus had fed a great multitude, more than 5,000 people, with a few loaves and a few fish. See, Jesus was able to take care of all these people with very little because they brought the little that they had to Jesus. And then he fed them, and he sent the disciples away. And you find after this that Jesus walks on the water and meets his disciples in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Now that's pretty trippy, isn't it? Any of you guys ever walked on water without, uh, you know, like a, you know, one of those boards underneath you? See, there's these two miracles. The people only know about the food, 
But the disciples knew that Jesus walked on the water. And the story picks up when people are going to find Jesus. So they were in Tiberias. Now they're going to Capernaum and they're looking for Jesus. And when they show up to, to see Jesus, they said, look at verse 25. It says, Rabbi, when did you come here? How'd you get here? And Jesus says in verse 26, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, all of this begins with social compassion. It begins with social compassion. It's an important starting place for us. Because everything that we're going to see today, this first I am statement, begins with Jesus meeting people's very tangible and real needs right where they are. It began with social compassion. There was this multitude who was following Jesus. And in that story, the day was getting later, and Jesus went to his disciples and said, hey, man. The disciples came and said, Jesus, you need to get rid of this multitude. It's getting late. We don't have a lot of food. You need to go send those folks away so they can feed themselves. And Jesus says, no, 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 you give them something to eat. All that's going to go on here begins with Jesus meeting tangible needs. Now, is that insignificant? I don't think so. I think too often, too often, we miss being able to bless somebody in a very tangible, real way. You see someone with a simple need, and then you go to meet a need. Jesus saw that they were hungry, and he fed them. But notice what goes on. Jesus said to them, you do not seek me because I could do miracles. You simply seek me because I fed your bellies. See, many people follow Jesus not because of full hearts, but because they want full bellies. And Jesus says to them, See, and this is what I love about Jesus. You would think, oh, this is a great opportunity for Jesus, but he starts giving them a hard time. Verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give to you because God the Father has set a seal on him. He's saying, listen, don't just labor for food that perishes. Don't just be earthly-minded. It's not all about however many years God gives you here. Jesus says something similar in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Didn't Jesus say, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys nor where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus is saying, look, if your heart is laid up in the treasures of the earth, then the, the things of nature can destroy it, moth and rust, or people can devalue it. If your greatest treasure is something that someone can steal from you or that nature can devalue, then it's purely a treasure on the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus starts talking like that, I get a little uncomfortable, right? Because how much of our lives are completely wrapped up in purely earthly things? Now, Jesus is saying, don't 
take care of the earthly things. He's saying that can't be your treasure. Now, you see why I say, can the real Jesus of Nazareth please stand up? Because so often we want to go to church and we want to hear, look, just do whatever you want to do. Just lay up all the treasures on earth. And the pastor's up there saying, listen, give money, give money. And he's in a nice suit and everything. And he's got a really done up hair and he's making, and he's making all this money. But then Jesus is like, no, 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 your treasure needs to be not here. You need to live for something greater than just this span of time, whatever it is. Jesus is challenging that way, isn't he? Jesus presses against what is the normal course of every culture. The move towards materialism and acquisition. More for me. Greater security. More for me. Jesus says, listen, don't seek me for the wrong reasons. Don't seek me for the wrong reasons. Don't give up eternity for the things of this world. See, the people get the point because in verse 28 they say to him, what shall we do that we, that we may work the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Now, because this began with social compassion, because Jesus saw them hungry and he fed them, our response, even though they followed Jesus for the wrong motives, our response should be that we should meet simple needs. Meet simple needs. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. We could come up with elaborate reasons why not to simply help people, but all they are are excuses, aren't they? Most often the reason we do not meet simple needs is because we're so preoccupied with temporal things, with trivial issues, that we are not compassionate like Jesus to actually see people and simply realize that we are just like the person we're helping. I think it was Mother Teresa said, I see the face of Jesus in the eyes of the poor people that I serve. Why? Because Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to someone in my name, you give it to who? To me. If you, someone doesn't have clothes, you give them clothes. Who do you give it to? Those are some serious words from Jesus, right? So even though in this story, in this happening in the life of Jesus, they were following him for the wrong reasons, and even some people say, oh, we can't do it because people are going to follow for the wrong reasons. No, Jesus still fed them. And Jesus' act of social compassion still led to this great revelation of who Jesus is. So our response is to meet simple needs. Now, look at what happens next. Verse 30. Therefore they say to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Verse 31. Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. 
Now you notice verse 35, there's the I am statement. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And what do we learn? That the bread of life truly satisfies. The bread of life truly satisfies. We all identify with the words of the great English theologian who we know as Mick Jagger. When he says, I can't get no satisfaction. I was actually reading an article. I guess there's a TV show, a new TV show. I don't know that I would recommend it. Seeing the review that I read about it doesn't seem like something you might want to be watching. But the show is called Satisfaction, and it's about a very wealthy family who is exploring all sorts of um, garbage trying to find happiness. We all know what that's like, don't we? We all know what it's like to say, there's this thing that I want. I need to be fulfilled. And we go running to all these different things to try and find satisfaction. And listen, I've done that in my life. Where you're like, if I just get this thing, if I get here, if I do this thing, then I will feel fulfilled. And you know what happens when you go and you get that thing? It doesn't fulfill, right? There's always the next thing, and there's always the next thing, because the human soul is not created to be satisfied by temporal things, by simple momentary enjoyments. Our souls are much more value than that. So when Jesus says in verse 35 that I am the bread of life, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst, Either Jesus is absolutely out of his mind, he's lying through his teeth, or he means what he says, and he says what he means. Jesus is saying, look, the bread of life, myself, Jesus of Nazareth, I will truly satisfy the deepest longings of your life. Now, if you go back to verse 30, Jesus said, look, the work of God is that you believe in him whom he sent. She is saying, you doing the work of God is believing in me. And they said, what sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Many of us are like that. We're like, Lord, show me a sign. Lord, show me something. But all through John's gospel, we're going to find that Miracles and signs never change a person's heart. Only trust changes a person's heart. I'm going to say that again, because I don't want you to miss it. Signs and miracles will never change your heart. But trusting in Jesus will. Because if you need to see it to believe, your motives are wrong. And a momentary miracle, how many times does a miracle happen and all the people say, oh, that's not possible. Oh, it had to be this. It had to be that, right? Doubt comes right on in. But when we learn how to trust God, it reshapes our heart. Notice what they say. They're like, show us the sign. Now, it's amazing. Jesus just fed them with five loaves and two fish, many thousands of people. They don't know it. He just walked, he walked on water to get where he was going. That's pretty powerful. I'd never done that. Jesus is real. 
Today, Pastor Daniel emphasized an important starting point as we begin this study about who Jesus says he is. And that's about how Jesus meets people's needs. We miss out on meeting simple needs all the time, but Jesus can teach us how to see clearly. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will tell us how believing in Jesus is bad for religion. We'll hear how Jesus was approaching faith and belief in God in a whole new way, where everything hinged on the Messiah. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco, Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled, I Am. Until then, may God bless. Music